0: Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist. Join me as I seek out the small incremental changes being applied in other industries that we can learn from and that can be applied in healthcare. Can these changes bring immediate value, but also add up to the big improvements and revolution we need in healthcare? Come along with me to explore the possibilities. My innovative guests from around the globe have used small incremental improvements to achieve their moonshot. And today, as I am each and every month, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Craig Joseph. He's the chief medical officer at Nordic Consulting Partners. Craig, thanks for joining me. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So December 2022 wrap up of the year. Um, As always, uh, I say this because I just can't believe what unfolds each and every year but it's been an interesting year for sure as as we've certainly had a few of them uh, and it 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 ain't over especially when it comes to covid-19 as it would appear with uh, china seeming to go through the pandemic uh,
1: for the first time perhaps yeah well um they they've had a zero covid policy in china meaning that they were going to accept no COVID, and anyone that got it, they were able to uh, put them in, uh, um, either require them to be at home in quarantine, or more likely actually remove them from their home, from their apartment building, and, and take them to a facility where uh, whereby they would either get sick or, or not get hey, sick. Can but, I just
0: say, when you say facility, I, I almost feel like you're putting inverted commas in
1: it. I am. I said a facility, I, I don't, you know, if you have no symptoms, so these are often, these are people that are just exposed, right? Family members or someone that worked with you. And uh, so you don't have any symptoms. And so the idea of going to a hospital seems incredibly foreign, but they do bring you somewhere where they can keep you away from everyone else. And that was the idea of zero COVID. And and I think in hindsight, we now know that that didn't work and it's not working now.
0: Right. I think they're—they've uh, certainly got a, a struggle on their hands. It, it reminds me—if—if if you recall going back, I think it's—it's it's certainly a number of months, could be a, a probably over a year. One of the papers that was very seminal for me through the pandemic in terms of understanding transmission was the case that there was two cases, one that was in a South Korean restaurant and they demonstrated they had all of the cameras, they had a lot of security cameras, they were able to track positions and noted that the transmission was from somebody, I think behind the counter, there was somebody 15 feet away and it was all to do with airflow. And then the other one was in Australia, it was in a hotel and they absolutely knew that there had been no you know, breaking of the quarantine, yet there was a transmission that appeared to just happen through, I think it was the opening of a door to receive food. I, I'm not even sure what it was, but it was very, very minor I, 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 I read about,
1: I absolutely read about that last case. And it was, uh, um, they were uh, two, I think it was two gentlemen that were in rooms across from one another. That's it. Across the hall and they were in quarantine because they had both been exposed and they never opened their door at the same time so food was left for them and then they would open their doors separately at a given time it was very and it's all on video so they know exactly what's happened and um and then they they um, were able to show that it wasn't that they both uh, got exposed and then both got sick no 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 uh the person from A gave it to the person from B based on the typing of the of the uh that's right the virus and so yep. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. How does that happen?
0: And and to be clear, this was, I don't know how many variants back, but certainly pre where we are now. And Omicron seems to be just a little bit more transmissible, I would say, right?
1: Well, especially when you don't have what most of the world now has, which is um, the majority of folks either having had the disease or having the vaccine or both. And so that you have some, if you may not have protection against disease, you have protection against serious disease, ending up in the hospital or or dying if you're if you're unless you have uh, some chronic medical problems. And and so in China, the, they did have vaccines. Most people have had two. Uh, their vaccines don't seem to be as effective as the vaccines that uh, generally Western countries have been using. And they're they've had uh low uptake uh for of the uh of booster vaccines. So I, I think I read 50 percent of their elderly, only 50 percent of their elderly who are highest risk for for dying or having serious injury from COVID, um, have gotten a booster dose. And so they, they've got minimal protection now. It's not good. And uh, I I remember a year ago they there were Folks thinking that hey, uh, China is kind of like a tinderbox, and just a lot of a uh, lot of people waiting for to get that disease, and and it's now it's now coming, and so yeah,
0: uh, the, there's no sort of New York Island complete isolation possible, and it does remind me of the the post tweet I forget where it was, Toot perhaps on no, it couldn't have been on Mastodon, that was pre the era, but. Um, it was the video of the massive pool party that was going on in China, and they were essentially raving, forgive the pun, about how cool it was that they could party whilst we
1: were all locked down. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. it's not working out well for them now. But I think it was a reasonable, I understand their the rationale. And um, uh, in an authoritarian country, you're able to do things that uh, we in the West cannot do and uh they gave it a, the old college try but uh <laughs> mother nature and the virus have have uh, figured out uh how to how to reproduce and uh it's it's going going crazy we're, we're gonna have
0: to uh at some point understand that term because i've never heard- never really understood that, the old college try, but let's not, not not focus on on um, on the uh, the ripper of uh, uh, experience, which is going to be unfortunate, but I think you know at this point is inevitable. The uh, remainder, of the COVID virgins in our world are not going to remain that way. And I think it will still be some news, at least, uh, you know, pushing into uh, next year. Let's move on. You know, recent news, I think, uh, from my perspective, I try and pick out uh, uh, the good. And, you know, as I was looking back in the year, one of the things that I noted in some of the discussions that we've had over the last uh, several months, we talked about telemedicine and the withdrawal of some of the pandemic restrictions that have been in place prior that was allowing the practice of medicine as it should be. And we saw a number of other uh, elements to this. But in fact, the latest um, spending bill, the Medicare spending bill, that's uh, looking like it will be going through, includes, I think, on the plus, uh, plus side, this extension of uh, two additional years. Um, That we're going to allow for medicine to be practiced, whatever way it should be, that's best for the
1: patient. Seems like good news, in my view. I think it's great news, and it's certainly something that we've been concerned about uh, in the past year. The only reason that most folks were allowed to have telemedicine or telehealth visits was because of the pandemic, and and uh, (laughs) the federal government kept saying, "Well, during this pandemic, this this emergency." We're going to allow patients to uh, we're going to pay, in other words, for patients to to have uh, telemedicine uh, visits and uh, the private sector followed. And that was great. But we were worried that as uh, the pandemic seemed to be slowly receding into the background, that these uh, nice rules were going to go away and we wouldn't get paid doctors wouldn't get paid to do telehealth visits. And if they're not gonna get paid, then they're not going to happen, obviously. And and so for the federal government to say, okay, well, we're at least uh, through the next two years, we're going to continue to pay for this, that's great. And now we don't have to worry so much uh, month to month because that's really, it was quarter to quarter, every quarter we're like, is this gonna be the end of the pandemic declaration? Because if it is, then we know we have uh, a few months until telehealth stops stops as a thing. And I agree 100% with you. Uh, it doesn't really matter where you got the care or how you got the care. As long as it's quality medical care, then uh, it should be reimbursed as such. And sometimes that means, yes, you do need to have a full medical physical exam and you need to be there in person. And that that makes sense. But there are other times where you don't. And uh, sometimes that's just because I don't really need to see you. I just need to talk to you. Sometimes if it's a, a surgeon who wants to see uh, the wound, they can perfectly well see the wound through the cameras that we have. And so there are th- times where uh, the care that you need it should vary. And that makes, that makes complete sense.
0: Yeah, let's pick on that wound uh, example because I think it's a good one. In fact, I think um, in a telehealth setting, it's improved in some instances by the telehealth because you can zoom in effectively with some of the technology that is built into this interaction. Um, You know, there are are improvements. And as you rightly say, it's, you know, not always the appropriate uh, use of resources and, you know, see in person if appropriate. The other thing that was included that we talked about, you know, was this remote patient monitoring, the sort of the move out of the uh, acute, Hospital setting when people couldn't come in were disallowed, and again, we allowed for it, and that's been extended too. And of course, as a geek, I'm super excited about this because this is now all additional monitoring capabilities, all this data that can come in, and importantly, can be reimbursed, which I think is you know essential for this. Do we know how we're going to use all of this data? Absolutely not, but rest assured, Chat GPT will have the answer.
1: <laughs> that's, uh, I think, all we need is just. Uh, no, I agree with you, and I think uh, remote patient monitoring is very important. And in, in some cases, it does a better job of even if we had a bed for you in the hospital and wanted to put you in there, uh, your remote patient monitoring um, in certain circumstances is, is superior because they're as you as you say, it's it can be constantly monitoring. We could be checking certain values every minute, every second, however off however frequently we need. We do though need that um, the that decision or discussion about, hey, what are we going to do with, with these data points, right? Who is looking at this? Because it's not, I shouldn't say who, it's not going to be a person. It's going to be uh, an algorithm. Uh, it's going to be some sort of an AI that's looking and um, looking for patterns, looking for values that are outliers, things that are significant, and then reporting those to humans who can who can take action. Um, and that's really, that's where the 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 work needs to happen now. I think it's, often trivial to get the information, but it's not trivial to be able to sort through it. And we know humans are not gonna be good at that. We know they're not good at that now. They're not, this is not a skill that anyone's going to develop, but we will need an algorithm, a group of algorithms to constantly be looking at these um, uh, numbers and either responding on their own or uh, sending it escalating to a human. For
0: those of you just joining, I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist. Today I'm talking to Dr. Craig Joseph, Chief Medical Officer at Nordic Consulting Partners. We were just talking about uh, the uh, appropriate use and understanding of all this data, and I'm just going to stick my stake in the ground, and uh, here's my prediction. Uh, We're going to use that uh, term as a verb in the same way that we talk about YouTubing something. Um, We're going to say, we'll just chat GPT that data and see what comes out. (laughs)
1: I, it's it, it is amazing and uh that app it it is though also scary because it, it does a great job with many things. Um, but then there are other things where it's just as wrong as it could be. And you know, the
0: funny and, thing is nobody's posted anything about that, right? No, they <laughs> I, I have
1: seen I have seen some I've seen some physicians actually um I, I, I watched a video of a physician say, hey, can you respond to this insurance company that is refusing to get uh, to let me order an echo for my patient who's on this medication? And please cite the appropriate literature. And uh, the uh, the AI responded with a very nice form letter in response to the form letter from the insurance company and cited uh, references, which apparently were com- completely made up um so that's the, that, that, that sounds entirely appropriate i'm just gonna uh, well maybe that's maybe it was playing uh you know multi-level chess there uh yeah <laughs> you might be you might be right uh but it was noted that uh, that those those articles really didn't exist and and even uh, better is my yeah, view <laughs> yeah they the authors were researchers in the fields and had and had written similar articles saying similar things, but the, the articles that uh, they cited didn't didn't actually exist. So so there's some work to be done, and then we all know what we're what we're looking at, or at least we should. So uh, yeah, right now I think it's probably best to get your healthcare from a human at this point. <laughs>
0: I, I'm I'm certain that that's true, but uh, I think that's a great story, and I'm just going to say if they come back and say we can't find those articles, you just say it's all right, it's because it's behind a paywall, you can't see behind there. So
1: now you're uh, thinking, now you're thinking several several. Oh, uh, well,
0: I'm I'm definitely a multi-layered chess, you know, yeah, as a Star Trek beautiful. aficionado. <laughs> beautiful. Uh, so um, thinking about some of the things that we talked about uh, last year. Um, Obviously, one of the big ones for me, it was very personal. I think I shared it with you, you know, the whole sim jacking experience, you know, that continues to unfold in what I consider a very, it's stressful. I mean, this is a constant um, thought. In fact, it, it's proved useful in some instances where people have wanted to do things. You know, I now, oh, I'm sorry, I've been Simjacked. I won't give you that information. So I'm taking the positive out of it. But it does raise this. And, you know, I'm hoping that we'll see some better approaches. We've certainly got some improved uh, approaches and we need them in healthcare from a, a ransomware, you know, the big target that we talked about last year that's uh, on healthcare's back Um, But, you know, some of the other things that I thought were interesting, you know, tied a little bit to this was all the privacy invading activities that were going on, just saw, you know, more in-depth coverage of this release of personal information. And I'm going to be as charitable as I can. I think this is true. I don't think it was fully intentional. I think it was just, you know, lax oversight with the integration of tools that came along in um, you know, healthcare websites.
1: Yeah, well, it is, um, when we were all on paper, this was not a problem uh, because your information was in the file in the doctor's office, and it was not accessible to the bad people. Um, it was also not accessible to the good people. And so uh, making everything digital uh, certainly is moving us in the right direction, but, but you're right. And, and as we move to more kind of cloud infrastructure, meaning that that the data is for almost all hospitals, not for almost all for many hospitals and uh, is is not going to be stored on servers or computers in their basement anymore. That's the way it has been done. It is now being moved to other people's servers that are protected and um, that's great and if you if you set up all of that information in the right way uh, it's safe. it's as safe as it could be um, but, not all of us are experts on on moving information from from our computer to a computer that could be anywhere, and uh, that's where these uh, that's where some of these hackers are, are um, utilizing uh, tricks that or um, uh, small little loopholes that they're able to kind of uh, squirm through that uh, that others aren't. And so, yeah, it's uh, I don't know that it's going to get better. I think. In the in the meantime, um, it's going to get better ultimately, but we do need all, you know, all of us need to kind of think about our security, both personal through our phone, but also the way our hospitals and our physicians are managing the security for, for their information. So if you're able to call up and, and get information without proving who you are, that's probably a, a sign that the, the information that that hospital or, or doctor's office is storing on you uh, may not be as safe as you would want it to be.
0: Yeah, it's, it, 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 it's a challenging area. It's one that continues to create enormous difficulties because it's, it's a nuclear arms race. I mean, I, I, one of the first areas that I recall using AI effectively was in fact the hacking community that was using it to break passwords and find alternatives. And, you know, healthcare is such a rich domain of information. It's an inevitable target that uh, causes no end of problems. We, we have to stay alert. I'm willing to bet we'll be talking about some stories and some ugly exposés of uh, data in particular that's going to cause some problems. We, we talked a little bit about AI, and I, I think you had raised the whole area of success or how far we could get with AI early on in the year when you went to the CIC conference. In fact, I think you quoted Mickey Traveille. Well, you didn't quote, you showed his uh, visual, which was all about rabbits. And then in fact, more recently we saw uh, the challenge of AI where uh, one of the conferences I went to, they presented uh, an AI device Uh, That was uh, interacting with on the stage. Uh, We're a ways away. What What do you think is going to going to happen in the coming year? Where are we with that?
1: Well, you know, I think we're going to go from you know zero to to fifty to use a um, an automobile (laughs) term. I'm still wondering about that old college try thing, and I'm I'm not really sure where that came from. So I'll I'll work on that for next time, Dr. Nick you know, I, it feels to me like we're, we're, this is not a gradual approach. This is really a step approach. And, and we, you had mentioned chat GPT that came kind of out of the blue where you could, you could ask it to do things and it got them mostly right. You know, Hey, can you write me? I I actually asked this, uh, that, that, uh, that algorithm to write me a, or whatever it is uh, to write me a five A five paragraph blog post explaining why doctors progress notes are much longer now than they used to be. It was not half bad. It was pretty good. And that's, that's amazing. Now it's not something that I would just copy and paste and and put up on the, on the web. Oh, I was just going to make sure that our viewers could uh, uh, read your latest missive. (laughs) Uh, I, I actually wrote a blog post about this, which is why I thought it would be fun to, to see what it, what it came up with. But that 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 seems to me like that was not a gradual change. Like it wasn't like, hmm. oh, well, now we have an AI that can write uh one paragraph, but it really can't put paragraphs together. Like, no, we we were we we really didn't have anything. And then we had this amazing, we could just kind of put anything as, in the prompt and we're gonna get um at least in the ballpark. It's not gonna be all right and it's not gonna be all great, but it's gonna be in the ballpark. And so we I think we're still in that that early phase, at least in the in the in the way. AI works with electronic health records, the way that physicians use it during the day, we're still not really good at, at predicting who's going to get sick, right? There's lots of algorithms looking, constantly looking at everyone that's in the hospital in many places, trying to predict who's going to get sick, who's going to get uh, sepsis or, or some other uh, disease that we can uh, prevent in, in real time. And we're it, it, the the problem is not that it, it's not identifying folks. The problem is that it's over identifying, and so you can't check on uh, every patient every time. So we, we're still we've got some ways to go, and I don't know when we're going to hit that point. Um, if that seems more where we're hitting magic, right? I don't think any doctor thinks that we're at magic level now in terms of predicting illness or for for following large populations of patients. I don't think anyone thinks of that as magic. That chat, GPT, and, and um, there's another program that you know, can draw art, it can create art for you, uh, given a, a prompt. That's kind of magical to me, at least where, where we're at now. And so I don't I don't know when, I don't know if it's gonna be this year or, or next year, when are we gonna hit that, where uh, your, your regular run-of-the-mill uh, physician goes, wow, that's magical what you just did.
0: Yeah. I, I And you bring up a, a couple of other r- examples. In fact, a, a while back, I heard AI generated music and I was super impressed. I actually really enjoyed it, which you know is a little bit concerning. Maybe there's something wrong with my brain, but it synced with my brainwaves. And um, so I, I think you're right. Stepwise kind of function. And we've seen a big step up. Certainly that was my sense of it. There's there's examples of failure but you know some of the examples of success are truly astounding with that particular example and it's generalized that was the big issue you could get AI in into narrow segments we were able to do that um, extensively but not 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 in a generalizable form and I I've tested it and I've been, I was super impressed so I, I'm excited about that I think the capabilities and I'm looking to see if I can try some experiments and i think that's the big thing for me with chat gpt is it's opened up the door to people to try things that previously had no programming and nothing and actually it can teach you programming it's very good at that if you have programming challenges you know python questions whatever very good at that no surprise because of the people that are potentially creating it but it goes much beyond that so we're we're sort of running out of time um we're at the end of the year we're looking uh forward to 2023 uh any closing predictions or thoughts from you in uh w- what you expect to see
1: well i'm i'm always hopeful that uh we'll we'll see our doctors and nurses the the burnout that they've been experiencing over the last 3 years get better and I, so i think some of the we have some of tools to help to help improve some of the things that are causing the burnout. It's just that we're not using that often. We're not using those tools to either not using them at all or not using them as effectively as possible. So I'm, I'm hopeful that next year that uh, nurses and, and doctors and therapists will start to uh, take up some of the, the new uh, tools and, and, and leverage the policies that are out there to, to make their lives better instead of trying to uh, push against the, the change.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I mean, I think one of the things that we saw last year, which, you know, really bothered both of us, I'll, I'll speak for you. But, you know, uh, Redonda Vought, the uh, nurse that was essentially criminalized, and that was definitely a burnout, stress-related issue, should never have been the case. We, we need to do better. We can remove friction. As you say, tools exist let's actually implement them, use them, and use them for the purposes of actually removing what I call scut work predominantly, the the challenging. And I can tell you it hasn't changed because living through uh, my daughter's experience as a resident just feels like mine, but almost worse with more technology, more computer time, less FaceTime with patients. And that was already a challenge for me. But Good news. Um, um, you know. It's a new year, new opportunities. Uh, excited to explore it uh, and look forward to 2023. As usual, we've run out of time. Just remains for me to thank you, not just for this episode, but uh, you, uh, you're willing to take the time and uh, spend it with me each and every month. And I'm very grateful for that. So thanks, Craig, for joining
1: me. It's my pleasure. And maybe now is a good time to announce that I'm actually an AI.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, you didn't have to let everybody know.
1: (laughs) Oh, sorry. Are we still recording? (laughs) Thanks, Craig. All right. It's been great.
0: Thanks for joining me today. Do you have any better ideas or have you found a small incremental change that's brought about a big improvement in your world? Let's continue the conversation on our hashtag, The Incrementalist, or share with me at Nick one on Twitter. You can find more information about the show on our program page at healthcarenowradio.com. And tune in next time to hear my discussions with leaders and innovators from around the globe who've revolutionized their space by using small incremental improvements to achieve their moonshot. I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist, and I'm starting a revolution through evolution.